Hello, this is the Organic BC Podcast, and I'm Jordan Marr, an organic corn grower from the Okanagan Valley and the show's current host. What you're about to listen to is a re-release of an episode originally produced for the 2022 BC Organic Conference. I hope you enjoy it. In this episode, a conversation with Kurt Simsick, an organic viticulturalist who works for the Mark Anthony Group. The company, which owns numerous wineries in the Okanagan, including Mission Hill Estate Winery, Cedar Creek Estate Winery, and Liquidity Wines, tasked Kurt with overseeing the transition of 1,200 acres of its vineyards to certified organic production. Those acres are now fully certified. In this conversation, Kurt talks about his early career in New Zealand, where he originally learned about and mastered organic principles. He also describes the process of transitioning 40 separate vineyards to organic practices in BC's Okanagan Valley, and provides advice to viticulturalists who are considering a transition on their own vineyards. I hope you enjoy the episode, and I will talk to you later on. Hello, I'm Kurt Simsik. I'm the senior viticulturalist for Sebastian Farms in the north. I came from New Zealand four and a half years ago to help um, the company convert all its vineyards to organics. And that's been my primary role for the last five years. Kurt, a few years ago, we heard the news that Mission Hill, uh, which is um, a very large and well-established winery in the Okanagan, was switching all of its uh, production over to organic, which was pretty big news. And so I'm really, um, I'm really happy to have you on today to talk about that transition. So thanks again for joining us. Yeah, looking forward to um, telling you about it. So could you start with some some context? Um, maybe maybe a little bit about yourself, actually, like uh, because you were you were brought in to help with tra- this transition. So could you tell us about your own history in uh, vineyard management and organic production specifically? So I started in the uh, industry, Jordan, back in the early 90s when I was a, a student. I worked, worked summers up in Marlborough, which is New Zealand's largest growing grape. Uh, region with over 20 odd thousand hectares and, and grapes. Uh, I ended up enjoying what I was doing. Um, I finished university, I wasn't, wasn't studying viticulture, but I kind of fell into the vineyards with a, with a large company called Montana Wines. I learned from the ground up doing the work in the gang and then slowly worked my way up to a permanent position until I was a, a vineyard manager eventually. I then joined a very small uh, winery in North Canterbury, and uh, the winery was very quality focused. So I basically relearned viticulture. Um, initially, it was all uh, machinery driven, and this place was all hands on. It's based on the work they do in Burgundy. And that was kind of my first taste of dappling with organics. Then my wife fell pregnant and we had our first child um, and I had to move up back to Marlborough where the industry's um, a bit stronger. And I was with a company that was very conventional and I didn't want to go back there. And I also realized I was going home um, with the smell of chemicals on my clothes just from walking around in the vineyard really. And uh, decided this just wasn't a good environment. And I didn't want to take those those agrochemical smells and God knows what back to my family. So I made the decision to move to a, um, one of Marlborough's oldest organic 
properties. They were already fully certified. And I joined them and I've never looked back since. Um, I've always dappled in organics um, and biodynamics along the side, which is a slightly a slight extension on organics. And I've now been farming exclusively organic for 15 years. Then um, this company from Mission Hill from Canada um, out of the blue made contact with me and uh, they flew me over and talked about their intentions and and it was coming from the owner, Anthony Von Mandel, um, who had been wanting the shift to organics for a, for a few years prior and they wanted someone that was comfortable farming organics, had the experience to a reasonable scale. Um, and so anyway, I accepted the job. So within the first year of farming, that, that year we started farming all our Kelowna vineyards, which is, let's say, roughly 100 acres. And, um, and then in 2019, all the vineyards, all the southern vineyards, where the bulk of our land holdings are, um, started the conversion conversion process. Um, what it means today is that um, via EcoCert, who certifies us, Kelowna's fruit was fully certified for vintage 2019. Um, the Naramata fruit was then um, fully certified by the following year. And this year was actually our first year where all the company vineyards, all 40 company vineyards, um, have made that full transition and uh, and can call themselves fully organic. And the wines can be called organic as well. So a long process to get there, um, but incredibly rewarding. Um, we now have over 1,200 acres certified organic. Um, Jordan and it's it's super exciting from a region that had approximately four percent I think of the farmed area was was organic in the valley just with our land holdings alone I think we've taken that percentage up to 17 percent which huh. that's as far that's... as a <laughs> yeah. as remarkable. far as a region in the world it's um it's really it's really significant and uh and hopes that that number will just continue to grow um as well so thank you for that summary i have questions <laughs> i want to <laughs> yeah, i want to yeah. go all the way back to new zealand actually just getting back to your okay. history my, my yeah. i guess my first question is when you went to that smaller uh uh winery or vineyard uh the one that followed um kind of based itself off of burgundy you mentioned yes um was it did you have any resistance or skepticism about organics at that point given that you had been come up in the conventional system um no i didn't i'm 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 pretty open-minded um i because it was a very small property we really only started to dapple in it. So I was open to tr trying some organic practices, but I wasn't quite ready to bank my 
reputation or the vineyard which I was responsible for on it at that early stage. So it was a it was a soft way to be introduced to some of the practices, put it that way. And in New Zealand at the time, you know, within the broader industry, what was the attitude toward organic practices and, and production? Yeah, it was back then, it was definitely in its infancy. Um, there wasn't necessarily associated with great wine. Um, and I would say 90 plus percent of grape growers were very conventionally minded. So I think they thought it was just about a perception of lazy farming. It was, it was hands off. I've since learned that it's definitely not. And, um, can you tell me, you know, I think it's fair to say, because I've heard it before, that, that that has been an attitude in, in the, the wine industry going back, I guess, well, a long way, this, this, this conflation with, you know, between organic and lower quality wine. I'm wondering if you can comment on why you think um, that association has existed. And I'm going to assume you don't believe that that is a fair association. Yeah. Um... I meet so many people that say why organics isn't that going to affect your quality of your wine. Um, and I always answer yes, for sure. It's definitely going to affect the quality of the wine. It's going to improve the quality. Um, it is just a perception. And I think it comes from some people that probably the early instigators started it as a point of difference in new zealand now pretty much any of its top wines and the wineries they are small scale granted but they produce new zealand's finest wine and i think you can take that example and and look around the world it's happening in france um, Austria is a really good example, whereas all the best wines are coming from organically or biodynamically farmed properties uh, around the world. Some of them don't even advertise that they're organic. You have to go in and, and read about them to find that out. So it's definitely, I think it's gone through that shift. I think it's perhaps still here in the Okanagan because it's still early days. This is like New Zealand was when I first shifted to organics, you know, in the late 90s, probably. Um, so I think that will change over time and the perception, even in the Okanagan, with our company, Mission Hill, um, and, and the other wineries I work for, um, have always been known as high quality wineries producing fantastic quality. We should be starting to instigate that change. People should be realizing that connection to organics and quality. Um, and it's just, it's just time. Well, the next question is a, is a softball follow-up for an audience of organic producers, but what, <laughs> why do you, why do you think, organic production produces 
such terrific wine? I think it's 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 just about what we don't do in our vineyards that makes a difference, right? If we're not spraying herbicides, for example, which is often the first first step, um, you're allowing um, the biology of your soils to live and um, and worms start coming under vines, um, organic matter, fungi and bacteria levels increase. The root structure then of the of the grapevine starts to change. We think a lot about how we water our vines and so on, uh, even in a dry climate like this. Um, and we water generally to replicate the rainfall that we don't get. And so we water long and deep. And all of this is to try and change the, the root structure of the vine. Um, and then it explores our unique soils here. Ultimately, everything we're doing, if we're not, um, we don't use chemical fertilizers, right? So we're using cover crops, we're using compost. Um, we use no systemic fungicides, um, no insecticides and pesticides. I mean, we can't just go to our cupboard of chemical tricks to fix a plant. We have to work with what we've got, what nature's sort of giving us. And then we have to be in our vineyards a lot. So rather than spraying a systemic fungicide, for example, for botrytis, we just have to ensure our canopies are opened up nicely and there's dappled light and airflow can flow through the through the and around the bunches, right? It's all these little things that the extra attention to detail that I believe you have to apply in the vineyards. They're the little things that make a difference to the wine in, in the end. And you end up with what I believe is a is a truer depiction of terroir. If you want to talk about your your unique site, it's very hard to get that if you're pumping on fertilizers and water and using chemicals. Right? Is it is it really a true depiction of that the soil and the land which um, those vines are growing in? And I think organics is the first step to really capturing the essence of your unique vineyard. And here in the Okanagan, we've got an, an incredibly unique uh, terroir. So I feel you have to farm organically if you really want to capture that. That's my personal opinion. Kurt, before we're going to spend the last half of our conversation, like really kind of diving into principles of organic vineyard management, but I just, I just want to get back, stay in the broader, broader context for a second. C can you, can you speak to, um, what caused ultimately Anthony von Mandel to, to decide to, to take such a big step and move essentially hundreds of acres of production to organic? Like what, what was the impetus for this big change? In, in all of the vineyards associated with the Mission Hill group of companies? Yeah, so it's through talking with Anthony, it's it's my understanding is that he, he spends a lot of time in Europe and always has. Um, and 
he's seen the changes there and was inspired by some of the some of those great properties I was talking about that are farming organically. But he also has a really deep connection with the Okanagan Valley. Um, and he cares a lot um, about the land. Um, and ultimately, I think he, he was already at the stage he could see it in Europe, um, they're growing better wine. And he wants the Okanagan to, to be on that, on that map be recognized and you know he when you own so much land i suppose in the in the valley jordan um what better way to ensure you're you're looking after it than making this commitment to organics um and it is a it is a massive commitment i i, I have to say and i it's it's um i'm very lucky to be um chosen and to be a part of it um, because I think it's it's quite groundbreaking what he's what he's doing here to the scale so you know ultimately he's he's got a son he's got a family um, I'm sure the business will will be passed will stay in his family um, and he wants to ensure its longevity and um, and this is another another thing that will help help that longevity Okay, and kind of one one more. Ah, this is a question that'll segue us into into <laughs> the principles. But did you have any difficulty culturally, um, as far as mentality towards organics, like coming in um, as an outsider, brought in to to oversee this transition? Was was there difficulty there uh, in terms of different different ideas about about management um, with within within the company? um yeah i i would i would say so uh the biggest thing that that made it easy was that this directional change came from the top down the owner of the company so that's made it a lot easier however for example all the managers have been farming conventionally for years um uh even the the Kelowna vineyard manager who was the first the first area that we decided to take the step to organics it's it is definitely a shift in in mentality and and the first year was a little rocky um i would say uh, we had some powdery mildew in the vineyards and and um we had it wasn't it wasn't a perfect first year and it took some time and discussions with the team about how we're going to combat that because it was very easy for them to say oh well that's just organics that's going to be the the normal um the following year we just tightened because i was here from day dot for the 2018 vintage mm -hmm. and we paid particular attention to addressing the the powdery that can over overwinter. Now, as hard as I looked, I couldn't find a single, a single um, spot of uh, powdery mildew on any of our vineyards. And so straight away, there's that shift, and then there's this belief that starts coming into the managers. Now, um, 
the same was Naramata, and I believe the team down the south would have had a similar similar battle. You know, you're asking a lot when guys have been farming conventionally for 20 years. Um, but I would say now they wholeheartedly believe in it. Um, they do realise that it's not the easiest um, way thing way to farm. But I think they've seen the change. Um, they've seen the the quality improve um, in the in the end product. But they also, you know, the teams are really enjoying working in the in the vineyards now. You know, we're pretty much providing a safer environment for them to work on. So uh, I don't think uh, any any of the team would want to farm any other way now. All right. Well, uh, to, to linger on this topic for a sec, it sounds like one thing you're saying is that someone considering transition of their acres um, needs needs to be prepared to have some patience because you, you, it sounds like what you're saying is you, one can't expect that from the your last year of conventional into your first year of, of organic that you're going to just it's, it's all going to be pristine and perfect that, that it sounds like there's some you use the word rocky there's some transition to to rejiggering all of your practices and and that there can be a delay in in in, in the in the vines um adapting yes there, there can be i would say it's it's just a it's, it's an adjustment um you for example um and and let's use the example of powdery mildew because you can't spray synthetic fungicides to protect the plant, you have to spray more often um, because the products that you spray, be it uh, a mineral oil or a sulfur, that only protects what it hits. So say we we you spray sulfur and then we get 10 mil of rain. Granted, that's unusual for the Okanagan Valley, but if you do, you have to go back out and recoat those vines with sulfur because sulfur protects it uh, from powdery spores that float around the valley. So it's just a, a change in psyche. You can't wait. You, you can't rely on a systemic fungicide to protect that plant for three weeks or four weeks before your next spray. You have to generally go in and spray every 10 days. Um, so yes, there's, there's lots of, I would say patience. There is some adjustment, as I mentioned, uh, in, in my earlier statement, the vines do go through an adjustment depending on your form of weed control. If you use a grape hoe, which cultivates under vine to remove competition, um, the vines will adjust um, because you're trimming off the surface roots, right? Um, if you're using an undervine mower, less so, but you still have to, the vine will have to adjust, adjust again there because there's going to be a little bit of competition from the, the grass and weeds that grow in the vine, even if you're mowing them. Um, I would say a lot of people that 
convert to organics might take us an approach, a, a gradual approach. So they'll start with some form of undivine management. Um, and that's typically a good way to start. And then, then they'll start looking at their their spray program. Will be the will be the next thing to see what they can get through. And um, if they're a, a, a bigger company, a lot of them will just make the conversion on one vineyard. So, yes, you do need to be patient. You have to be a patient farmer. You have to expect hurdles. Um, there's every season will throw a new challenge at you and like i said because you haven't got your magic box of chemicals you have to find alternative solutions for pests insect pests um, for example or um, a heap of rainfall that you weren't expecting that's what i love about it jordan um, is that there's no easy solution you have to be a lot more thoughtful in what you do you have to be patient and you have to be in your vineyards. And, and that's what I love. All right. Well, uh, one last question about culture, which is, do you have other than um, like in terms of winning hearts and minds on the management team, which has to be a consideration. Um, do you have any advice beyond begging for patience? Like, Hey, be patient, everyone. I'm going to show you results. Any other advice for just bringing people around in the early going when there's maybe more skepticism? Um, yeah, I, I would say um, definitely connect um, with people who are farming organic organically. Um, learn from them and hear, hear what they have to say and make connections. When I was back in New Zealand, I was with a smaller company, and but we formed a group um, of like-minded um, wineries. And we would spend, uh, we'd meet, um, say, four times a year, but we'd talk way more regularly. And we'd talk about the the highs and the lows, the problems and solutions that people have found from through each season. And through that, there's a, a support network. Hopefully, most people will find it's an incredibly rewarding experience to to make these transitions. And um, and I think generally people will be really pleasantly surprised. Okay, Kurt, well, maybe we can we can get a little more specific then about um, some of the principles of, of organic uh, vineyard management. I don't know how we wanna start with that, but um, maybe maybe you could just attempt to take us through some of the major, um, major management considerations for someone who's transitioning. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess uh, I, I'd sort of like to start this as, as like organics is old school farming. Um, but nowadays we have lots of great new tech to help us. Um, you know, although a lot of the principles have been the same for generations. Um, if you're, and what I mean to say by that there, will be an investment in in some technology to to take this step um, you will need something to some way to manage your um, weeds under vine 
to reduce the competition and and uh, keep your vines growing healthily and happily. So that's one of the first things um, I would say is you have to decide on what you're going to use for the undervine management. We um, mainly use uh, Grapeo, um, which runs undervine. It's a blade that runs flat, only in about five, 10 centimetres of, of soil, and it just weeds the strip under vine and it's got a little sensor bar on it that when you come up to a grapevine it eases the hydraulic pr pressure so the blade slides around the plant rather than cuts the plant out um, so there are some infrastructure changes people might have to do to run these under vine um, weeders uh, i.e if you have drip tube um, to water your plants, if it's lower than 30 centimetres off the ground, you might have to get a team go through and pull the staples and lift it up a little bit higher so it's around 40, 45 centimetres off the ground. So the weeding equipment can go through carefully, uh, without catching on that drip tube. So that would be one of the first steps you have to think about um, other than that if you've got a canopy sprayer um, there's a process you can go through to clean it out uh, <laughs> um, which would be under you can be guided along through by the Canadian organic standards or any certifying body that you choose to work with um, so but you can you can keep that canopy sprayer and and carry on using it um and they are they are two you know your two main tools really um you commit you get rid of your your chemicals in the shed and um and uh and take take that step um i think the other thing you need to do before even any of that is familiarize yourself with the um Canadian organic standards. Now, it's a pretty tiresome read. Um, it's a big, <laughs> big, big thing. And uh, if you're reading it overnight, you might need a few nights because you're bound to fall asleep. But well worth understanding um, what it means and what it takes to become organic. Um, and then, yeah, you've got to be patient. It's it's a worldwide standard that from the last chemical that was applied on your property, it's three years to that date it takes um to be to be able to certify your fruit or uh, fully organic and then to make organic wine so um and that's standard um but those three years are crucial you are far you're still farming organically but you just can't call it organic you have to be diligent in your record keeping um, every every application you make in a vineyard, um, from the posts you put in to replace posts, um, and so on, have to be of a, a certain, or have to be permitted, I should say, for um, organic farms. So, um, 
Well, can we can we do? I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Can we dwell on trellising because that's a pretty big one if you've got a vineyard that I mean you're fully you've got you're, you know you're fully um, financially committed to to treated posts in the ground. How does it? Yep. Uh, can you can you talk about how does that work? Do you have to pull them out right away? Do you get a grace period while still getting your certification? Um, and ultimately, what are you supposed to use for trellising for for your posts? It's a it's a good question, Jordan. Um, the short answer is no. You don't need to pull your um, treated timber posts out if uh, if that's the state of your vineyard. Um, so you can leave those timber posts in, um, but if and when any of your vineyard posts break, i.e. hitting them with a tractor, or they just rot, you have to replace those posts with steel. Um, you cannot put any new treated timber into your vineyards. And the longevity of those posts is, is really good. They're very strong. Um, they don't rot, obviously. Um, you have, they generally come with um, uh, clip holes in them to hold all the wires, so you don't need to use nails or clips on them. Um, so all of that gets factored in, and it actually works out um, pretty much like for like in the end. All right. Well, we've okay. So we've covered. Um, you've you've talked a little bit about about weed management under the vines and you you earlier you referenced pest management which which sounds like it mostly entails a, a different suite of um organic options that have certain extra limitations like perhaps you need to apply the mineral oil or sulfur a little more often based on precipitation um we've talked about trellising you you very briefly mentioned fertilizing i'm wondering if you could comment a bit more is that do you consider that a big challenge having to switch to um feeding feeding your soil um with with organic amendments or or is it just a matter of familiarizing yourself with what's available what's allowed and sticking to those i mean are they are they otherwise reliably effective yeah so um it is a it is a challenge um to be honest and you have to perhaps accept that um you the way your soils in general are um however there are really there are some really good organic uh fertilizers out there um we are typically now fertigating rather than putting on granular um fertilizers uh no, you know, through not using any fossil fuel-based fertilizers, we we focus on that the life in our soil, and um, we're using products like compost teas, um, which we brew ourselves. Um, you can buy fish fertilizer, um, which is pretty common in, in from Canada um as a form of um nitrogen i suppose um there i typically look at improving the biology of the soil um we through this approach we 
produce our own compost um, from the grape mark, um, from kitchen waste, and so on that we store up through the year. Um, manure, um, uh, tree chippings, and sawdust, and and we make compost every year, which we apply back out. But that's not necessarily a try. Uh, um, supplying direct nutrients to our soil it's providing food for the biology and changes the structure of our soil and i believe you know through farming this way we should be looking at improving the water holding capacity of our vineyards you know um which this positive spin-off of that is in dry years like last year this the vines should be more tolerant to um, drought conditions right so it's thinking bigger picture rather than diving into direct nutrient um, aspects of the soil um, of course we are still watching and monitoring the health of our soil every year and we make sure we can adjust and there are still plenty of options out there you just have to do more research into it um, and nitrogen is probably one of these those elements that people are concerned about our soils in the okanagan are, are typically low in nitrogen and there's not a lot of really heavy and nitrogen um, fertilizer products that can be used in organic. So, however, I actually don't want really high nitrogen for, for my vineyards. Um, when you're looking at producing a, a quality product, nitrogen's often associated with um, a lot of botrytis or, or rot, um, especially if you have a, a wet season, like and we have had a few of those in the last uh, five years. So, you know, it's just, again, a change in the approach, lots of research, lots of looking at those alternatives. And there's more and more products coming out every year because organic farming is growing significantly around the world and it's becoming more important. So things like good organic fertilizers are going to become more and more common and easier to find the fertilizer that you need for your property. Kurt, one thing that's becoming more apparent the longer we speak is that um, you really come across as a really a real true believer in um, the capacity or of, 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 a, of a, albeit managed farm ecosystem to take care of itself if you focus on the biology. Um, mm -hmm which is awesome to hear, frankly, for a manager of such a large set of organic acres, because um, there's another approach to organic, I think. I'm, I'm simplifying a bit, but, but there's another yeah. approach that is essentially like um, the only difference between the conventional approach and the organic one is simply the, the inputs you're using. What I'm hearing from you is not not quite that. I mean, you're you're using you're using compost teas. You're talking about feeding the biology, which will then in, t in turn take care of the plants. And I thought maybe I'd, I'd just mention that and, and ask you to comment on that because this is a this is an episode for people considering a transition. Um, 
do you agree that there's a there's there's a there's there's another approach i might even suggest a more common approach of oh i'm gonna go organic i just have to learn what inputs that i'm gonna switch to and, th and that's it if, if you think that's a fair statement from me um you know what is your advice to people considering that approach to organics um i think it's i think it's fine and i think it's fair comment that that uh you've said uh, you, i've been farming I, I guess this way for 15 years and it's been a an evolution um even for myself and so maybe that is the, the first step that people look at that approach and making making that change whatever whatever might work for them and give them the confidence to take those steps i think then they will then evolve from that and then start looking at alternatives um, to just calendar spraying and oh what else can we do for our soils cover crops is something else i didn't talk about jordan is um, when we're talking about nutrition, we use cover crops um, in all our properties. We sow about four different clovers, which is a nitrogen fixing plant, right? So I think if, even if that's how people want to approach it, I think naturally they will start, um, they will evolve as well as you get as you grow in confidence with this form of farming. Um, yeah, if that answers the question. It does, thank you. I was just interested to get your perspective on that. Um, yeah. Well, I, I think we're, we're gonna be winding down here. I, I, I um, even though you've kind of touched on it as you went through the different aspects of management, I, I wanna kind of ask you pointedly, what, what do you of, of those different elements of management could could you if i forced you to could you choose the aspect that is the biggest challenge like the, the is gonna is gonna represent the biggest challenge for someone who's used to using conventional practices yeah um i think the biggest challenge people have is when they see a problem um the season presents a problem and they can't fall back on what they know um by a chemical from from the shed um to kill let's say for example leaf hopper and the biggest challenge is being brave enough to stick it out and trial things to combat that problem um and that that can be scary um i i get that when it's your livelihood um and and so on so I, that's why i talked earlier on about learning learning the process learning um as much as they can before they take the steps but i would say that would be one of the biggest challenges is is when they come across that problem and it's like well what do i do now and if you come up to that that's that that's that whole point where it's it's like reach out to an organic farmer that's been doing it for a long time um or 
several years, uh, anyone, and and talk and try and find out what they're using. Um, there's there's plenty of knowledge um, that's going to be growing in this in this valley, um, and I would hope most people are, are happy to to share that knowledge or or help people in that journey. So I would say. The organic community, no matter where I've been in the world, has always been really supportive of one another. And I think it's important to sometimes, and don't be too proud to ask for some help or some advice or, you know, draw on that experience um, your neighbor might have. A related question. So, you know, you've you've done conventional, you've done organic. Do you, if you could... Is there, could you name one or two tools from conventional that you had at your disposal that you don't in organic that you wish you could, um, either either because it solves a particularly challenging problem or or because you don't totally see the reasoning why it's not allowed? Um, it's, a, <laughs> it's a really good question. I, I don't think so. I think I'm, I've moved... I've moved um, beyond uh, beyond that um, in myself, and I've been farming this way so long that I, I don't go. Oh man, I wish I could have that insecticide to to knock this leaf hopper on the head this year. Um, yeah, that might drift into my mind every every now and then, but I know that. <laughs> that next year or the year after I'm going to come across the ideal solution um, and the vineyard itself might be more balanced. There might be more uh, competitive or uh, insects around to take care of that problem. So, yeah, in short, no, I don't wish on any of the conventional products I used to be able to apply. Um, I yeah I, I think i've moved beyond that um to be honest jordan i just i wholeheartedly believe and, and love what i do that much is very obvious in talking to you kurt <laughs> and uh i uh, it's been it's just i've really enjoyed chatting with you about all this thank you for giving your time and for joining us on the podcast oh you're welcome mate i'm just gonna say this because I, I i kind of uh I like it and it's it's a summary of what i i truly believe um that organics it just makes sense to me it's the best for our people planet and the place that we're growing in so that's why i do it and that's why i think other people should give it a go all right that's it there's not much more to say, so we'll finish things off with my four-year-old son, Levon, reciting clauses from the Canadian Organic Standards General Principles and Management document. 10.1.1 Corteria provided in this clause shall be the determinants for amending CAN CGSB 32.311.